Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Not Safe for Wonks. It is the only podcast that you're listening to right now at this second, I assume. I'm Kennedy Cooper. Leia Rose. And we are joined today by a guest who's going to be hanging out with us. We're going to be riffing a little bit on Iowa and politics in general and everything 2020 with our kind of friend of the show at this point because he's been hanging out in our server for a while. Justin, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yes. Justin, how do you pronounce that last name? Lasea. Lasea. Yeah. yeah, it's... Yeah. Uh, the problem is is that it's uh, Basque, from what I've been told That's by family. Neat. So it's not quite Spanish, and yeah. Yeah, if I remember, the Basque are in like, they're completely their own language family entirely, separate from everything around it. Yep, yep. Uh, and so, yeah, it's all, yeah, family history stuff. It's, yeah. But anyways, well, you're running for... Con candidate con for Congress, correct? Yes. Uh, for in, Texas in 20. Yep, Texas in, 20. Currently occupied by... Uh, Joaquin Castro. Castro. Uh, correct. Who, whose brother is now... Going to be Warren's VP, maybe if she doesn't try and become somebody <laughs> else's VP, because in the Game of Thrones, you live or you become VP. <laughs> right, right, of course. And then the hope is that you you do a such a boring job as VP that everyone kind of forgets about you until the uh, eight turn uh, until the eight years are up, and you can be like, "Hey, remember that last presidency? You want to have it again?" We'll put that shit on repeat. Yeah. Be uh, kind, rewind. And, and hopefully <laughs> they and, and they're they're all trying to hope for I guess whoever goes for Biden's VP it, that he kicks it, which God knows like any of these these old monsters like they could all kick it at uh, at any given time, you know. Sure. Fuck like Trump half the time, I'm like surprised that he hasn't had like a stress aneurysm and just like keeled over. I'm this convinced that he over has, the podium. I've convinced that he's had that several times. But he, oh, he yeah, just like, refuses to die. <laughs> it's always it's always covered up. It's one of the two. A combination. He he's really bionic at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, when Trump said we spent two, $2 trillion in the military, it was really uh, all invested in repairing his incredibly large, incredibly big body. <laughs> okay, uh, look, folks, we gore. usually try to get in a little bit of politics before we get into clone conspiracies. <laughs> no, I thought the politics were in the clone conspiracy. Uh, maybe it, yeah. Uh, if, anyone, if, clone, if any right? Trump has a large has a large body, it's barren. Have you seen how fucking <laughs> large? Were you about to call a fucking? Talk about. <laughs> were you about to call Trump's a... large son right now? I mean, he's getting larger. <laughs> he is getting larger. He's getting larger, and no one will talk about this. <laughs> My boy, it's all those energy drinks and snack <laughs> foods. I don't know. I honestly, I don't really pay any attention to Baron at all, or Nobody most of the does. family. I cause... just saw, I just saw the picture where he's a where he's large, the largest boy. 
America's large boy. Son of big, big wet boy. Our big sloppy son. <laughs> the, the... So, uh, if it wasn't already obvious, uh, Justin's a spicy boy on Twitter. And, yes. you know, we, we can be a little spicy on this show, too. And, you know, I don't want to say that we necessarily agree with every spicy take you've ever had or ever will have, because that would be a dangerous proposition. But we thought you were interesting enough to bring on the show today and just kind of riff on politics with us. Hell yeah. I mean... Like, if you if you can't laugh about it, I mean, like, the Empire's dying, you know. It's I don't want to say every man for himself just because I'm a socialist, so it's like, well, the working class for themselves, fuck the rich. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I mean, they certainly seem to feel that way about us. Yeah, yeah. So when people aren't willing to be, like, a, at least a little bit, frustrated with the rich i don't get it you know it's it's like they literally the rich will come out on television and ellen degeneres will you know tell us why her friendship with george bush is way more important than how any of us feel like, like the the thing is is that the rich have the privilege of their anger being institutionalized and being normalized to where it doesn't mm -hmm. seem like anything and it's surprising when they uh, show their anger in ways that we are able to, like uh, in that debate where you could see Pete Buttigieg visibly like fucking shaking in anger. Great, great moment. But oh. yeah, like the rich uh, are so cloistered in their own little world that if they want, if, if they want to exercise their anger, they can, I don't know, adopt a litter of puppies and fucking throw them in a volcano or something. I, I have no clue. Go skeet shooting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, yeah. it's... It, it is amazing. And one of the things that, I mean, I've noticed for a long time in the U.S. is... Because I've talked a lot like this for a long time. It's... It's... One, I didn't do it on social media because I'm, I honestly fucking hate social media. I hate Twitter. I hate all of it. If I didn't oh, have to be involved too. in any of it, I would be perfectly fine with not. Me too. But, me too. Like, yeah, it's like you can't be running as a grassroots candidate for anything without being on Twitter or some forms of social media. And, the, and that's the thing that I explain to everybody is it all runs on sensationalism and like attention grabbing and you know that's it's the same thing that i told the like no the local newspaper which after they interviewed me well they interviewed me the first time didn't tell me that they were the express news the the local express news um which is cool because i just told them what i tell everybody is like all of these people are morally bankrupt and they all belong in jail. They deserve to be tried before the American public. And 
put in jail. And so like when I say, you know, we as a society should collectively cancel Hillary Clinton and just be like, no, you deserve to live in a one bedroom apartment for the rest mm -hmm. of your fucking life. Mm -hmm. Fuck off. <laughs> like we as a society should have mass trials for these people because they're all morally bankrupt. Pelosi, all of them. And so they, they interviewed me not realizing that I was just going to straight up tell them this. And then they printed it. And oh, so, God. yeah, it, well, I mean, of course, they, they cut it down a bit. But I, they basically printed the part where I was like, yeah, Obama is morally bankrupt and he does not deserve any of the power that he has. And it's like, do you really understand, like, the people who live in the area at all? You know, it's like most people think that. They just don't voice it because they're so turned off by the political system. The only people that actually are like, oh, Obama might actually be a decent person still are the the fucking wonks and shit that you know live in the beltway or live on the coast especially and that mm -hmm. coastal people i swear to fucking god piss me off the most especially in politics uh jesus christ but like well, well i mean if I, you're if you are living the benefit of you know keynesian neoliberal fucking politics then oh yeah! Of course, you're gonna say nothing needs to change. Like I, I, you can't even really like blame these people in a way. Like it, it, they are wrong because, of course, the part, the whole like ethos that we're trying to create now with not me us is that you know maybe you should be willing to fight for the people you don't know. Um, yeah. But but they're not wrong in the sense that this has worked out for them. You know, yeah. like if mm -hmm. if you you know, ask them, have this worked out? Yes, it's super worked out. This whole system has incredibly worked out for them. So, yeah. Know. And I mean, more people are, are waking up to it, which is, is good. But like, yeah, you know, they they don't understand. And even, you know, some people here in San Antonio, like, I mean, not, I guess, putting my like, perspective on a pedestal or anything but like i i'm from flint i was born in flint in the 80s when it was already like seeing mass deindustrialization by the time that i left there was literally like no work at all i was driving 45 minutes to work at a job that was hiring for $12 an hour, like high school level people, or they were willing to take high school level people, but I had a, I had a bachelor's degree at this point. And yeah, it, and it was at a bankruptcy law firm. Like it was, it was the most like crushing, horrible work ever. And the, supposed market rate for that was 17 at the time and i was getting paid 12 you know and driving 45 minutes during the winter in michigan jesus yeah and like 
you know, everybody likes to, you know, talk about the water crisis, the water crisis, all that shit. When I was interning with the Flint City Clerk's Office, um, uh, helping to manage the elections and stuff like that uh, afterwards, uh, I was working there for, for an election season. They were firing half of the police and fire department because they had no tax revenue anymore. So you literally had like eight police cars on the the roads at any given time for a city of 100,000 people who none of them have jobs. Well, I mean, a few of them, but like during during 2008 to 2010, you know, and that was before the water crisis. That was before, you know, the, the thing that, you know, came out again in uh, Fahrenheit 11.9, uh, where, you know, they did urban military training in, inside Flint. Like, those videos, I've seen those buildings, they're downtown Flint. Like, you have actual army troops performing live fire exercises in the downtown area of a what was a major city essentially was you know yeah yeah that's just it's it's just kind of freaky you know and like the militarization of the police is something that it's not just about them you know getting more body armor and bigger guns it's also about like the tactics and mentality that they're adopting and when you have this kind of stuff going on where it's like you know there's this clear there's this lack of low like true local law enforcement like you're saying but there's this clear presence of authority like ready to if you start something it's just it's not this is not a winning combo Oh yeah, and you know, of course, uh, in in the the I guess explanation post that I made, you know, I one linked that and also, you know, mentioned that these things happened during you know Obama and you know, contrasting you know what I said, saying you know what he does he should get something horrible, and I told the newspaper the the same thing as far as this is like it's not that i was wishing that specific thing it's like he deserves justice of some form and he's not going to get it from our system you know it clearly is not interested in in you know punishing him for the crimes that he has committed against the american people you know and then Saying that at the same time as well, you know, if, if if there was a just force in the universe, it would, you know, befall something terrible on him, hopefully. But, like, because we're not going to see it unless we have a revolution, which, hopefully, <laughs> we'll see. Cheers, bro. I'll drink to that. Oh, uh, yeah. Hopefully. Kind of a sidebar. I think it's it's really funny how like centrist dem and democratic aparch geeks say that bernie is like a cult and they're like trump supporters will they support him through fucking anything but 
I don't know about you guys, but I would be ready to throw Bernie into the fucking sun if there was a viable presidential candidate that critiqued him from the left. Yeah, I mean, I always say that, like, Bernie is the compromise candidate, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bernie's not perfect. The, but one of the reasons that I like him is because, like... Well, he... Uh, he he will listen to his movement and so yeah. the people that are to the left of him that are working in this movement have said bernie you need to look at this and he has yeah yeah and that that's the the biggest thing is is that the way he's built the his campaign and the movement as a whole is the the not me us it, it is it's not about him like he's he is the vessel at this point because he is the most capable you know he is the 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 right person at the right place at the right time but otherwise it's not him it's about the idea that he is carrying with him and that at least that's the way that i see it you know uh, i mean besides saying that you know whoever he picks as vice president has to either be Nina Turner or the tankiest Marxist Leninist we can possibly find. Oh God. Because <laughs> God forbid something happened to grandpa Sanders. Um, whoever is, is in this seat after him will We'll make sure that wh whoever has caused a fate to befall him will see swift justice. Mm -hmm. I'm imagining like a knives out situation where he's secretly leaving the entire country to, I don't know, fucking what, what, what's, what's a, what's, a, what's a good martyr from knives out comparison that I could draw here of like a, a young, insanely left. We like, should, we should do that. We should like, take an episode. The only leftist character knives out was the SJW caricature. Like Meg. <laughs> no, I don't mean a knives out. I don't even mean a knives out character. I mean, Bernie is what I, this, 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 this. So you're saying he's slitting his throat. I should Bernie. Is, no one, no one is slitting Bernie's throat. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Leia, I'm canceling this this whole question. Um, this was a question. Justin, we put out an episode today where we talked about a little bit about like some of the stuff that's going on uh, with like you know attacks on Bernie leading up to the primary. And um, one thing that we were a little bit conflicted on was the subject of Obama, actually. And like, what exactly is he doing now? What are his goals now? I'm curious if you have any opinions on like it, how deeply Obama is like involving himself in the machinations of the party or is he mostly stepping back? I. The, I'm not sure, like. I, I haven't really been paying as much attention to, like, him as possible, mostly just admittedly, you know, listening to, to Chapo as far as what he's, what they think he's going to do, which I more, <laughs> more or less agree is that, like, he, he is enough of a neoliberal that he's going to sit back and try and do everything from afar to make it 
not look like he's trying to influence things, which is understandable given his position. So uh, I, I think that like hopefully the Bernie Sanders presidency would be one of the strongest rebukes to the Obama legacy that could come out of this election, which is something he obviously very much does not want. Well, God, I mean, God help him if I get elected. Because uh. <laughs> I honestly will, like, one of the first motherfucking things I'm going to do is be like, all these motherfuckers, we need a war crimes tribunal. Oh, good all of them. Hell yeah. And do you think that, do you think you, you, you have a shot in the primary against Castro? Um, actually, yes, but it's mostly because of my, like, just gambling and my understanding of, like, the political situation just in America in general, because, I mean, I'm, my, my degree is in history and political theory, so I'm relatively good at making p predictions based on like news and you know how polling and stuff like that so like my prediction one i have i have a number of of things that are like an advantage for me um yeah. i spent most of the year as a full-time activist uh in a number of organizations um and involved with San Antonio for its size has a relatively small like activist population just because most people aren't don't have the time to be politically active. So um, the the fact that I've been active and I know all of the activists, I mean, I know the people who are working for the Warren campaign. Um, I know most of the uh, like old Democrats, or at least I've, like, introduced myself and, and whatnot, so they all kind of know me at least a little bit. Um, I'm first on the ballot. I won the drawing, so I'm first on the ballot, which all of these new young voters, mostly, all of these new voters who don't really, they don't know who their congressman is. They may possibly go and check out who their new congressman is, but they're mostly coming out for Bernie, which, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. But choosing one, the first name on the ballot for Congress on the Democratic ticket is, is something that I'm, you know, definitely counting on. And I think that it, it will help in my favor. I, I just um, I just did a look into it, and Joaquin Castro has never had a primary opponent in the history yep, of his running. That. He has never had a Republican opponent. It's all no. He had oh, a Republican yeah. opponent the first year, but since then it's just been Libertarians and Greens getting like. 50. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He he's been unchallenged. Like the district was literally built for him. It is it is Democratic. It's been Democratic packed. since the. It's been Democratic since it was founded as a congressional district oh yeah it, whoever wins this primary is going to get elected right the Obviously. primary is the election so um is are people like motivated to go out and vote castro because like we've talked to some people that you know they feel like their strength is that people are voting like uh, we talked to a guy in new york who uh 
it's it was six percent in the last primary. Um, uh, you know, with well, the actual turnout in his district. So, like, do you have like a lot of people motivated there, or a lot of people just like relatively apathetic that you could sort of sway, maybe? Um, I. Th- I honestly think that there's going to be a larger turnout than usual for the primary, uh, just like in general this time. Um, before, I don't, I'm not sure as far as like what previous primaries were like. Around 30,000 votes, which would come to 20,000 votes in total for the general. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, as, in terms of, in terms of numbers, I, I'm not sure what it's going to look like this time, just because this election is is going to be unique. Uh, yeah, I think 2020 is definitely shaping up to be unpredictable. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of oh, challengers yeah. running in a lot of races. There's a lot of unusual candidates out there. And there's also a lot of people registering to vote. And you know, groups that have traditionally not registered in as significant numbers are registering, you know, in droves right now. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, in 2020 definitely seems to be like a bit of an anyone's game. And I think just like well, counting on the same old machinations to sort of fall together and like create the same sorts of results is probably not necessarily what we should be expecting. Yeah. Well, and I mean, he's so bad at running too. Like, oh my god! Like, they've they've always relied on the twin thing because they they both went off to Harvard and Stanford together. They worked sort of with the Clintons in the first um, administration, like as the interns or whatever. And then after that, they went and worked for some like really big name lobbying uh, firm that has offices in both D.C. and San Antonio, because San Antonio is like little D.C. in a way, uh, particularly with all the military. Um, and they then they got involved in local politics, and one was in city council. Uh, Julian was in city council for the northwest side, which is like the rich side. Uh, and then he he became mayor and was a wonderfully uh, neoliberal, you know, developer-friendly mayor uh, before he went off to HUD and, you know, started foreclosing on a bunch of, uh, you know, the community that he was supposed to serve. Um, and then Joaquin... Uh, he got into Texas uh, State House on the northwest side, so the rich side of San Antonio, um, or at least one of the primary, like, richer areas. Um, and then he went from there to uh, uh, the U.S. House, so District 20, and he's been in District 20 ever since, and he's never had to run ever really you know and the reason they've had like this massive advantage getting started is because uh their mother and grandmother were both involved in the um 
uh, labor and Chicano movement in San Antonio in the six uh, the sixties and seventies, and then you know they they went off and became neoliberals, kind of like Buttigieg. You know, his dad's like a socialist and translated Gramsci's uh, prison notebooks, and he becomes uh, Patrick Bateman. Essentially. <laughs> and 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 he's one of those neolibs that's like, I'm just like you. I'm a progressive. Yeah. The worst which kind. Is the, it, yeah, it is really the worst kind of neoliberal. Oh, yeah. And God, it makes me so happy that they tied, himself, tied themselves to the Warren campaign. Like, I was worried for a like, little bit after he dropped fucked, out. But get fucked. Oh, yeah. Like, it's done so... Like, he's hurt his campaign more than I really ever could. And, oh my god, it's so good. Uh, I mean, the fact that he immediately went and started working for for Warren, uh, thinking that he was going to be VP, and then Joaquin, you know, jumping in, and he's been out there... Instead of campaigning in his own district, he's been out helping Warren campaign. And it's like, like he, he just got his website up at the beginning of this month, and there's no policies on it. Like, the website doesn't work besides the donate button. That's all that works. I, I think he... <laughs> Like, has he been alerted to your presence, or does he just? Think, oh well, yeah, I'm just oh. gonna be. I'm just gonna steamroll over this. So, um, he, the his uh, his mother, um, Rosie, she she's part of a Texas nonprofit organization uh, that's kind of like a political lobbying group uh, called uh, Texas Organizing Project. And uh, they, it, she's on the board, and so they, they kind of have like a parallel kind of influence. Um, and so that's kind of helped them, you know, be involved in, in local politics. And then, of course, when they got on the national level, they, they, you know, didn't care at all about that stuff. Uh, because you know they they get to hang around with Obama and Hillary, uh, but uh, yeah, the it's it, San Antonio is very much a a city of like who you know in terms of politics, uh, which is is good for me because i just came like out it's of sort of a, an entrenched political yeah. machine city yeah it is and when they got to the national level they basically ignored san antonio uh yeah like his and uh as, as we all know camp not campaigning is sure a way to win areas as the Hillary Clinton campaign saw when she overwhelmingly won uh, Michigan and the other Midwest states. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, not campaigning and also, you know, selling out to corporate interests the entire the time. A recipe for success. Yeah, exactly, because everybody still loves the Castros. 
totally the, everybody loves them nobody hates them at all <laughs> yeah it's uh, but yeah when, when, when sounds you, like a bit of a mess when, but... when you get to go from the minor leagues to the major leagues and you just burn all the bridges behind you because you just don't give a fuck anymore because yeah. you're big and powerful and you don't need them what uh, I was going to say is, like, yeah. we've talked with a number of people that, you know, have these problems where, like, their district is been, you know, it's just been represented by somebody who just, like, hasn't given a fuck about them locally for so long. And now there's this whole potential. And, you know, I think a lot of us didn't really know what was possible until 2016 and then 2018 started to, like, make us feel like uh hey maybe oh, yeah. something can happen here is that, like, is that kind there, of your, there was... was that true for you oh yeah it, like as soon as i like saw like aoc i i because i for a long time i had kind of looked at possibly running but i i didn't for a number of reasons uh partially because um, for a long time, I was working at the the family business, which is thankfully going away. Um, and so uh, there was there was that whole thing because uh, dealing dealing with family just on a political level is is awful. Uh, because my dad's uh, definitely a Trump supporter, uh, and so yeah, and then also working with him while trying to run and yeah no it would have been awful uh but that went away and then like after after aoc um won the primary like i i looked at where i was living and i was like this district is prime for that uh so i started preparing basically a guerrilla campaign um i started doing you know a lot of the research into like how how to go about it um getting involved in in political organizations that i i mean had admired for a long time but i'd never really had a chance to join and working you know at the small family business i can't work i can't unionize um and so uh i yeah i just sort of like started getting myself into a position where i could try and make a a campaign i um i also realized that there was going to be another economic collapse either just before or at almost immediately after the election no matter who wins like oh, it's, absolutely. it's coming it's, it's coming it's inevitable it's fucking inevitable and, the fed can only and, repo for so long yeah exactly and so i was just like fuck it i'm pulling my retirement because i don't want it to be in the market and i'm just gonna do what i want to do with it which is try and run for office and yeah. i mean hell yeah at after 2020 who the fuck knows it's year zero you know um 
so it, it was basically just like, eh, I've always wanted to run for office, and so I'm going to ro roll the dice and see where it goes. Hell yeah. Uh, yep. Like, I was reading a thread about this uh, earlier today, but the left has never really had the experience of winning, of feeling a big win in a long, long mm -hmm. time. Like, the last time that a leftist candidate got close to the nomination apart from 2016 was like fucking 68 or 72. Oh yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Like we, so... we generationally, the, the left hasn't had the experience of winning, but with how close yeah. we got in 2016 and the crop of Congress, uh, Congress people in, in 2018 and what's fucking coming in Iowa, what is coming in Iowa, it's going to be incredible. Yeah. We're, we're going to be yeah, motivated exactly. to do a lot more things. And I imagine that there's going to be more people getting into politics as they see, hey, we can fucking win this thing. Hopefully, yeah. And like... There are a number of people that I know here in San Antonio that I would support for local office. And one, they don't, they aren't, you know, part of DSA necessarily even. Like, I, I've worked with basically every group that from the, like, center democrats which i've worked for worked with them as little as possible it was basically just to file my my paperwork to get on the ballot um all the way to like psl or which any if any of you don't know that's uh party for socialism and liberation right uh, right so um yeah and i mean most of I, I like most of them. I like a lot of the people that that are active in in all the different groups. Um, some of the organizations I like more than others, especially when uh, they you know are willing to work with me, you know, despite the things that I say. Um, and others, you know can't work with me officially because of the things that I say, which I, I'm fine with, but, I mean, they still support me. Um, or at least their staff do. Which is the important thing. Yeah, yeah. And kind of a sidebar, but I've, we've said this before with other candidates that got on, but, you know, when next year rolls around and the uh, we were in D.C. for the Bernie inauguration, we and if you're being sworn in, we'll definitely fucking catch up with you. It's Hell gonna yeah. be it's uh, gonna be fantastic. Yeah, I I'm hoping. Mm -hmm. Uh, I and I can't wait, and it'll be amazing to to see. Yeah, to be there. Um, Honestly, kind of, like oh. the whole thing about like the things that you've said and stuff. Like part of the reason we were willing to bring you on is like again, not necessarily because we agree with all of it. But because why, I, I feel like in particular, like why are progressives constantly being held to this like stand, like this standard that is just sort of unattainable? You know, like we can't uh, do the things that normal people do. Centrist Democrats can hang out with people who, you know, 
threw the n-word around back in the 70s a lot or something like that you know what i mean like there's this whole like standards of like behavior that is only applied to progressives and i just don't abide by that kind of mentality that we are supposed to be like a perfect movement we're an imperfect movement of people and we have emotions I, and thoughts and yeah. th like some of those are valid even if you don't agree with them i well, really hope that we can get to the ide ideological space post bernie where we can have someone to the left of him that isn't afraid to just fucking take the gloves off so to speak and talk like you're Say talking justin like a, like a national democratic political leader that, that yeah say fucking these people are war criminals yeah well i mean you somebody has to be the first one to you know say it and it's like well i mean why not um you know call these people for what they are we all tried to do that, but unfortunately, the DNC fucked him out of a debate spot because we had to have yeah. John Hickenlooper on stage. Oh yeah, I'm talking about <laughs> John fucking Hickenlooper. Talking about how science is gonna save us from climate change. It's okay. We can keep driving cars. They'll all just be electric, and it'll be like Total Recall, or not Total Recall. Fuck, which one was it? Uh, uh, minority Report with right. all the like if automated to remember, just pod cars. Fracking liquid. It'll jog your memory. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, the, uh. Which, I mean, as much as it hurt Gravel, the, the whole like chaff strategy that the that the Democrats tried to do this time to make sure Bernie didn't have uh, screen time. I mean, it's hurt them, you know. So it's a good thing, I guess. Um, even if it meant that we had to sit through uh, Mr. Mackey or crap, I can't remember his name, his real name. Uh, who who are you talking about? The one that sounds like Mr. Mackey from South Park. Uh, I, I don't watch South Park. I'm sorry. Fuck. Well, it was from a long time ago. Him. Uh, he had the weird lip thing. Well, like he would always talk like he had his 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 upper lip had to cover his his teeth. Uh, whatever. Fuck. I mean, there were so many of them. Like honestly, nobody cares. Nobody cares about any of these people. They were all well, which is why I call them chaff. They're all worthless. Like yeah. fucking Cory Booker. <laughs> like why the hell was he on the goddamn stage? Why, why are any of these people, like, nobody cares, even Beto, like, fucking Christ, everybody here in San Antonio, even people who supported Beto, were like, why would you run for president? Why, nobody knew who the fuck you were. to Senate. You can do that yeah, again. He literally could have run again against Cornyn and, and won. won. But no, instead, nobody like big name at all is really running for Senate, and it's probably going to go to Cornyn again. Like, there's, there's, uh, like one, of the, Sema? One, of the, one of the 13 troops on the primary is going to get instead of Sema Hernandez. We had Sema Hernandez on a few, day, uh, a few days ago, and she was really nice, but she might not clear the oh, primary. Oh, yeah. 
we hope she does. Oh yeah, no, she's probably she's probably not. I mean, because there's there's enough garbage Democrats at at the lo- state level that that have more reason. Well, well I, that's here's the thing. It's the problem, kind of like a Bernie situation, if you ask me. Okay, with her primary, hopefully this is the this sh- is the hopeful view. She will. She has an actual grassroots machine under her, which these other like propped up Democrats do not have. And right now, they're kind of waffling around and making a mess of their campaigns for the most part. So I think she has a lane. I think it's tough, but I think it's there to an extent. Like part of the difficulty with um, San or not San Antonio, but Texas in general, is that. it's so large. It's so large, and there's so many parts of the state that you have to hit. Like, El Paso is closer to the Pacific Ocean and LA than it is to Houston. And uh, Sam is based out of Houston, and I know she has a lot of support in Houston. She may have some support in Dallas and Austin. But, like, I don't know as far as Texas. Uh, It's a very, very difficult one to run for Senate. Um, Let's talk Texas flippability. Like, Texas is this weird state. It's been talked about as maybe in play for some time, but it still hasn't really, like, shown that side. There are a lot of signs that 2020 could be like the moment we've been waiting for in terms of seeing a different political future for Texas. But it could also just be another disappointment. What do you think? Texas could flip on certain people. It depends on who's running, really. Uh, the Bur- like If Bernie gets, gets the nomination, uh, Texas as a whole could flip just because the cities are so much more populated and you actually get a real democratic turnout. I've said this before, but like I living in Texas, I'm not going to vote for anyone but Bernie for the presidency because no only and also no one but Bernie would make Texas viable. Yeah. Like, do you think fucking Joseph Robinette Biden III is going to be able to flip Texas? No, he's fucking not. He won the Tejano Democrat endorsement. Oh, oh, yeah, I know. It's it's an interesting, the whole drama behind that one. It's Uh, amazing how many organizations can spring up and sound relatively woke just to exist as like a function of the political machine making itself try to sound more woke well that that one is is very much an older establishment one but um yeah texas itself population wise that you've gotten so many people coming into the major cities that it is definitely viable um on like congressional level seats it it really depends just because texas is so gerrymandered um the dist- there's a lot of districts that can go either way um 23 uh is 
is I think kind of in play. It depends on who gets the nomination. There's a um, uh, ex-military uh, in, uh, intel person, I think. She, uh, Ortiz Jones, I think her name is. She's running out there. She's like the establishment candidate. And then I know two uh, challengers that are progressive. Uh, that are both trying for the primary. Um, if if Ortiz gets it, probably not going to flip. Well, maybe. That one's hotly contested just because it's a border um, district. Uh, then, of course, there's Jessica Cisneros. Uh, I can't remember which one that one, what number that one is. It's on the southeast side of San Antonio, which I... We have I so many districts in Texas. I live in New Mexico. We have three congressional districts. <laughs> well, easy to remember which is which. <laughs> and, well, in San Antonio, in pre well, the major cities are an absolute mess because it's so gerrymandered. Like, like, have you seen Dan Crenshaw's district? It's just oh yeah, it's hideous. It's well, hideous. Lloyd Doggett, who is the other uh, Democrat for san antonio like there's two democrats for san antonio that their districts are packed so that they're democrats which is joaquin and lloyd doggett and lloyd doggett's actually goes from san antonio up literally is the 35 corridor up to up to fucking austin and then is a chunk chunk of south austin that's his district and it's gross um, there's, and he, he goes, literally goes from downtown San Antonio up to fucking Austin is his district. Um, there's, uh, 23, which is the one that I was telling you about earlier that kind of encompasses my district, um, like a C around the city and it cuts a bit of the north side and the south side so it gets a bit of the rich district and the the poorer district um and then it goes all the way out to el paso i, uh, I just yeah. looked it up i've been trying to get a handle on where the fuck i am like in terms of my representatives and i'm in the 24th district uh which it's a Cook PVI of plus nine, but in recent House elections, it has been trending blue to the point where the margin was 3% last election. Yeah, it, in Texas, it's probably going to be blue in this, this election if Bernie takes it. Yeah. it. In general, it's going to trend more blue even if Bernie doesn't take the nomination uh -huh. um it'll it'll definitely depress voter counts and there's yeah but in general texas and is starting to trend effect and such yeah biden is gonna excite fucking nobody to go out and vote while bernie is gonna Yo. excite a lot of people Ever. to vote. yeah yep oh so. god texas will go blue for a lot more if Bernie takes it. Do you think there would be like a domino effect that as soon as Texas goes blue, the rest of the Deep South will also go blue? Which, hopefully, y'all wanted to talk about Iowa. Yeah, sure. Oh my god. I'm, I'm excited looking at the numbers and 
shit, if he takes the first three or four, like, the um, Super Tuesday, I, it might be over by then. Yeah, I'm like hoping. I mean, we we had we had a we had a whole speculation episode. Uh, we had a whole speculation episode about where we thought the early four were going. It was a few weeks ago, and my final prediction was Bernie takes Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada, and gets very close in South Carolina, and then has a very 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 good shot at sweeping Super Tuesday. And then if he sweeps Super Tuesday, it's it's over. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious where Texas is. They haven't. They haven't polled Texas in a while. So I, the last time was like in December, and Biden was way in the lead. Uh, still, but I mean, one, who knows where they're they're getting that polling from? And you know, it was back in December. You know, so. <laughs> Uh, yeah. like people that I talk to in general are are way more interested in Bernie than than they are any of the other candidates. Um, outside of the very few people that that I know um, who work with the Warren campaign. Um, I don't really know any Warren supporters in person anyway, at least among the activists that I know, uh, which is most of the people that I know in San Antonio right now. Um, and canvassing-wise, it's all Bernie. Like, uh, when I was doing uh, my... trying to get signatures, I was literally... Um, working full-time just canvassing uh, mostly up at the university and everybody that that i talked to in general was like probably bernie if they were going to if they were going to primary or at least were interested in talking about what their their views were um Mind you, I was also collecting signatures from college students who, you know, don't know a whole lot and were perfectly willing to sign petition for me to get on the ballot, so. Uh, Although, um, most of them, when they asked, like, what I was, I was, um, like, one of the things that I was campaigning on, I was, like, eliminating student debt, and they were just like, hell yes, right there. Well, we should probably start bringing this to a close soon, but, like, what's your... Before we get into your plugs and stuff, what's your final call for how First Four are going to go out if you had to make a prediction right now? I'd ha I haven't really looked exactly at Nevada and South Carolina. I'm a, I think that... If Bernie takes the first two, it will definitely give him an even bigger boost because, I mean, the media is already, like, mainstream media is already getting to the point where uh, they're preparing the rest of America that they've been lying to for the, you know, however long, uh, that he might actually take it. They're, they're starting to admit that he might take it. Uh, 
And so yeah, if he takes the first two, they're not going to be able to really spin it anymore. And you know, it'll the the next two will probably go to him if if that's the case. Uh, at least that's what I'm hoping. Um, it, it all depends on on whether or not you know people show up, and I. I think with as many people as I've seen here in San Antonio that like when when the Bernie campaign like is 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 calling on them to be involved there's enough people that it it'll probably swing I think so hopefully uh yeah, I'm hoping it'll all be over by Super Tuesday and we can we can spend the next 8 months preparing for the coronation of of future president Sanders. <laughs> God God Emperor Sanders. Uh, uh deposing <laughs> Trump. I know cult of personality are bad, but like I really want to make one. Well, but that's the one. good thing about him. Well, that's the good thing about him is that the cult of personality that he's building isn't him. It's it is the movement. Like mm -hmm. even if you get rid of Bernie, the movement's still there. Yeah. And that's that's going to be the enduring legacy of of this and and you know, thankfully, you know, even if something happens to him, you know, it'll, like, people will still identify themselves as, like, Bernie Democrats. People will still, like, identify themselves in the the idea of the Not Me Us movement. So. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, we gotta start working towards bringing this episode to a close. So is there any kind of yeah, you want to plug your website or your donations? Or well, how should people get involved with your campaign? At yeah, this yeah, point? yeah. That's what yeah. Um, well, I I have a um a thing to get involved on the like a contact me on the website, and I also have donation uh link on the website. Uh, it's justintx20.com. Um, and then there's a a button. Yes, if you want to get an invite to the to the Slack, uh, which is where I'm trying to organize uh, like campaign stuff, uh, we're trying to put together like a, a like ad commercial bit, um, and then uh, so yeah, specifically remotely, and then of course yeah, donate please if you if you're willing to uh, throw a few dollars. Yeah, the, it'll help me uh, get more signs. Um, I have a buddy here in town who's trying to get a uh, t-shirt printing uh, business going, and I'd love to throw him some work. Um, and, you know, my campaign is going to be built off of, you know, the local activists here. So any money that I get is going to go to them to help them create the campaign so uh yeah justintx20.com and then uh my twitter is justintx underscore 20 
Um, and that's mostly where I go and yell at uh, powerful people. Because fuck You'd them. You'd love to see it. Well, anyways, uh, <laughs> it, has been a f uh, it has been a great sort of interview riff kind of session we got going on tonight. Thank you, Justin, for coming on. Uh, we have been... Uh, thank, thank you all for having me. Not safe for walks. Leia Rose. I'm Kennedy Cooper. Uh, Drake. And see ya. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>